Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Give it up, give it up, give it up for you, Dahlia. Thank you, Dahlia. Thank you. God answers prayer. Come on, say God answers prayers. Do you believe that? I want you to turn real quick to two, two scriptures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with two scriptures this morning. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. God used an intercessor. Let me tell you, prayer is so powerful that it's not really about you. Sometimes it's about someone else. Do you know that this church that you're sitting in is a result of partially her prayers? <laughs> she laid hands on this building, that lady right there. She laid hands on this building when it was Mosquito Creek, and her backslidden son was somewhere in, in, uh, in Hungry Howie's, right? In Hungry Howie's, and, God, and she prayed to God, God, if, if they don't come to you, let the church come to them. Convert this place into a church. And here we are, a church, because God answers a prayer of a mama. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your, your spirit here today. We thank you for the activation of your spirit. I, I thank you that a shift is going to happen today. I thank you, Lord, in the spirit realm that there is going to be a shift in the heavenlies and in their hearts as you equip them with the greatest weapon that they could ever have. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about, I talked about the secret place, the discovery of God. But the secret place is not only the place, hear me now, guys, uh, you got to roll with me because I'm going to, it's going to be a crescendo. It's going to start small, then we're going to end with a shout. And I want to tell you that the secret place is not only a place of intimacy that you get intimate with God. That is true. It's a greenhouse. That It's an incubator where you start growing. But the secret place is where God develops the greatest weapon that you and I could ever have from the Lord. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but we have weapons. Weapons that God has given us. I was in the, pra- uh, the prayer room yesterday, and I was spending a couple hours with the Lord preparing for today, and I saw the weapons, that the weapons in the Spirit be in that place, and I saw so many other things that are happening in the church, and I saw this being a place, and I saw the, the, the sanctuary with a whole bunch of chargers and a whole bunch of batteries, and I'm pacing back and forth, and I'm like, why is there chargers in the, in the sanctuary and batteries in the sanctuary and big old weapons in the prayer room? And the Holy Spirit said, well, I'm pacing back and forth, he said, because Sunday mornings is supposed to be a recharge for them to do the work of the Lord. It's supposed to just be a celebration and a recharge for their batteries, But no one is going to pick up the weapons that they need for the day. And I saw huge weapons, and everyone was passing by these weapon rooms. And they were just satisfied with getting charged up, and there's artillery in the spirit that is loaded for you and I to be able to be successful, and nobody chose to go in that room. I'm talking about, I saw bazookas, I saw in the spirit realm, and, and Luis Castillo, he's not here right now, he, he, but, but let me tell you, he had a dream. This is all not part of my nose, Holy Spirit help me. That, like, he, he had a dream years ago at OHOP that I was giving him weapons, weapons, and I was giving him weapons and assignment. I didn't know what that was, but let me tell you, it is the power of your prayer life. 
the, your prayer life is the biggest weapon that will discombobulate the enemy. Look at it. Everybody say prayer life. The book of Colossians, real quick. I'm going to do two back-to-back scriptures. Oh, my God. Colossians 4, verse 2, in the Amplified Version, it will be on the screen. It says, Paul the Apostle says, be earnest and unwearied. In other words, untired, unrelenting, and steadfast. Watch this. Put that up there, guys. Come on. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 in the Amplified. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast. Watch this. In your prayer life. Actually, it says prayer life. Being both alert and intent. What is Intent intentional, in your praying with thanksgiving. I'm going to say that again. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life. Everybody say prayer life. Notice what he just, he said there is a prayer life. There is such a thing called a prayer life. Just like you have an emotional life and a social life, there's a prayer life. There is something that has to be part of your life. Now, why did I say that? that? He said, be intentional to build your prayer life. And that is up to you and I. And look at what the Bible says right, right afterwards in, in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to do back-to-back scriptures to open up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 4 in the NLT. Oh, I love this. We are human. Any humans in here? <laughs> okay. We are human, but we don't wage war like humans do. What? Wait, wait, who's he talking to here? He's talking to spirit-filled believers. We are human, but we don't fight like humans do. Watch this. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We are human, but God has given us mighty weapons. Everybody say mighty weapons. Now, I'm going to fly by this because there's some things that I want to accomplish at the end of the service. If you were to ask a poll of people, of a, a, a secret poll of people, what is the greatest or hardest or most difficult discipline in your walk with God? Some would say holiness, you know, uh, not staying in the flesh or, or giving in to temptation. But if you talk to the average believer who is serving God and is activating their faith and truly loves God, had an encounter with God, Most of them will tell you that one of their hardest disciplines is their prayer life and sustaining their prayer life. Like I said before, the the smallest meeting in the church most likely in all of, especially in the Western world, sadly, is the prayer meeting. It's the prayer meeting. And so you, you, you have to ask yourself, how do I sustain a prayer life? Right? How do I say sustain a prayer life? Because Paul the Apostle talked about prayer without ceasing. Now, that if you, don't, if you don't understand that, if you only read that in the English language, you would think that you have to pray every second of the day to fulfill that commandment. You would think that you have to say, hey, how you doing? I say, can I get a hamburger to pray the Lord and some hot dogs and also, no, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean like you're just talking every time and you're having a conversation and you have to pray all the time. It is about a culture. You will never, un- listen to me, listen to me, you will never understand, you will never understand, hear me, prayer without ceasing if you don't understand it as a culture. Because the definition of a culture is to do something that shared values that you practice Over and over and over again until it's part of your life. Prayer without ceasing is a culture. Perhaps that's why people don't go to prayer meetings because they've looked at prayer from the context of a meeting instead of a context of a culture. 
Mike Bickle one time said, he says, and, and this is not to offend anybody that may be watching. He says, Christians have prayer meetings. Muslims have prayer cultures. Even though it's religious, and even though we know that, that the, the true Savior is Jesus, they're so disciplined. Five times a day, they're devout, and they turn to the east, and they pray. But yet we can't get Christians to go to the weapon room to pick up weapons, and you're getting shot all day by the devil, and God is saying, there is a room for you to get your artillery. But there's nobody wanting to go in that room. Because we're so quick to want to be used by God, and we're so quick to want to cast out a demon, and we're so quick to want to sing, and we're so quick to, to have a revelation and preach because you've read a lot of books, and you got to get that revelation out. Come on. And we're so quick to want to be used in ministry, and God is saying, no, no, spend some time with me so I can give you the artilleries that you need for ministry. For ministry. You have to have a culture. Everybody say Culture. We can't just see prayer as a meeting. We must see it as a culture. Come on, say culture. I remember years ago when I was at OHOP that, I, that Pastor Carlos, he remembered that was, he was frustrated because he couldn't, he, he couldn't call, have like 10 people show up to prayer. Yet on lunchtime, the mosque that was on the other side was filled with people on lunchtime. They were praying. Maybe they had a revelation about something that Christians don't know. Do you know as long as the enemy can stop, stop you to believe that you don't have power when you open up your mouth in prayer, then that why, that's why you won't go to the artillery room. The prayer life is your artillery and your weapons, your mighty weapons. Listen, it's important. Listen, it's important to stay unwavering in prayer. Why? Because once prayer is consistent and active in our life, it becomes an unstoppable force. Nobody can stop prayer. Listen, nobody can stop you. I don't care how weak you are. I don't care how bound you are. I don't care how much of the words you know. Nobody can stop the force of prayer. Look at the first slide up here. Look at this. Pray, look, look, watch this. Watch this. Prayer is using our finite words. Finite. To connect with an infinite God who has no limits. Therefore, prayer is the most unstoppable force in the universe. It should be up there, up on the screen. Prayer is us using our finite words. Everybody say finite. We're finite. We're limited. What does finite mean? We're limited. We, our words are limited, yet we're connected to an infinite God. Which makes us unstoppable. It makes us unstoppable. Listen, listen. When the government years ago shut down prayer meetings, I'm going to shout even if you don't shout. We thought that they, they stopped the prayer in schools. But if you have a revelation of prayer, you can never really stop prayer in schools. You may, watch this, you may stop the, the organized prayer meeting in schools, but no one could stop the child or the student that's sitting on their seat. And while the prayer meeting is gone, the student is sitting in their seat. Don't worry about what's happening on the screen. The student is, is, is sitting on the seat and privately whispering and saying, God, could you, could you uh, ch change my school? God, could you encounter this person? God, could you encounter? And listen, they may take the prayer meeting away, but they cannot take the power of your voice and the power of prayer 
They really didn't take prayer away. You know why? Because there's hundreds and thousands of Christians in school that have the Spirit of God in them, and maybe they took the meeting away. But while they're sitting there and the teacher's teaching, they're going, hallelujah, God. I pray that you, listen, underneath their voice, I pray that this person that comes to me every single day, they're pressed, that you begin to touch them, that you would open up uh, opportunity after. And guess what? Hundreds of people could pray at any time. That's why prayer is an unstoppable force. Why? Because a little Cuban boy, well, maybe not little, a little Cuban boy in, in Apopka could pray for someone that's in Russia and faster than the speed of light. That person that's in Russia could feel the effects of prayer here because prayer has no limits. I could be praying, you could be praying for someone that is outside of the state of Florida and they need prayer and you call upon prayer. And when you begin to pray, the power of God begins to activate. The weapons start coming. They start loading. Several of you texted me, please pray for this. That person, your sister Linda, that was needed prayer. She texted me, part of our congregation, please pray. I got a whole bunch of people praying. The next day or two, she said, it has been healed. The next day, the next day, come on. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Our brother Michael needed a financial miracle. And the church got together and laid hands on him. And two days later, he said, Pastor, everything is turned around. I'm not making this up. I could point to you guys. He sent me an email. He said, after you guys prayed, God turned it around. Why? Because a few people were brave enough to say, maybe if I just step out and lay hands on this person, maybe if I'm tired and if I just tell a group of people to pray, even in their weak prayers, God can move. We limit prayer to if we feel hot or not, or we feel on fire or not. Let me tell you, most of these prayers, we are exhausted. We're tired. Hey, guys, let's pray for this. Okay, let's take a moment and pray. And then the power of God is released. We have forgotten the power of prayer. The activity of heaven can be released on a nation. The activity of prayer, uh, sorry, of heaven can be released on an individual. It can never be stopped. This next point, I don't know if they'll have it, but the power of prayer can never be stopped. Say the power of prayer can never be stopped. Because prayer is the result of God's established authority structure between heaven and earth. I'm going to say some things that are going to make you run around this church in a second. It can't be stopped because God spoke it to existence to be the way that he governs between heaven and earth. I'm going to tell you something. And this is why I find, this is where I'm going to get to the crux of my message. Out of all the things, I used to be fascinated, why of all the things that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them about was not the walking on water part. I was so fascinated years ago of they saw Jesus and they cast out, he cast out demons and he healed the sick. Hey, he raised somebody from the dead. When was the last time you and I went to a grave and said, nope, you're going to get right back up? How many of us had that kind of faith? But I'm going to tell you a secret today. It is not just faith alone that does it. You have to have a prayer life to back up the power of God. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Because I am so, I used to wonder, why of all things did the disciples say, teach us how to pray? 
Not teach us how to do that walking on water thing. Not teach us, you know, if I was me, if I was me, I am me, right? (laughs) If I was there, I would have been like, guys, I really want to have that power like he does, that when when I cast out a demon, they come out in seconds. I want that power, right? I'm going to show you. God gave them power to cast out uh, uh, um, demons and heal the sick. Remember? He said, come to me. I'll give you power. Now go do it. Watch. Keep that in the back of your head. In Luke 11, where we see the famous uh, Lord's Prayer, do you know that the Lord's Prayer was birthed? We call it the Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer was revealed to all eternity and all of the earth by provoking Jesus to ask him, teach us how to pray. Luke chapter 11, watch this, but I'm going somewhere with this. It's not like you're used to hearing it. The Bible says, oh, I love this, I love this, that the disciples asked Jesus, teach me how to pray after he finished praying. Now, I never connected the dots. You know, I used to think like, hey, let's just ask him how to pray. But the Bible specifically says that after he finished praying and ceased, they asked him, teach us to pray. You know what that tells me? They were watching him. You know what that tells me? That even though he got up way up before sunlight, that they were watching Jesus and this thing that these fishermen were kind of foreign to. The way he connected to the Father and the way that things happened afterwards, I think we need to give a little bit more credit to the disciples. Yeah, they were knuckleheads, but I think they started to notice something. I think they started putting two and two together because they realized that Jesus' prayer life was linked to the power that he was displaying. Out of everything that he could have, they said, to teach me, he said, no, I want you to teach me how to pray. Now, watch this. I'm going to prove it. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. Watch this. In the the New King James. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, watch this, when he ceased. That means they were watching. They didn't want to interrupt him. When he stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, oh, glory, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray as John, the, the, uh, as John also taught his disciples to pray. I, I believe that they caught on to something. Because they saw Jesus waking up long before, I said it last week, before daylight to a solitary place to pray. Watch this. In the east, I looked it up. Sometimes the sun wouldn't rise, would rise 4, 4.30, sometimes 5. Let's put the math together. The Bible says that Jesus went to a solitary place and he went long before daylight. That means he could have woke up 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And watch this. And he would be spending hours with the Father. Hours with the Father. And, and as he's praying and he's, de- and he's praying and he's developing his prayer life. And he's spending hours with the Father. Watch this. 3, 4, 5 in the morning. By the time that the disciples would wake up and get their PJs off. And have breakfast. Jesus has already spent about two or three hours in prayer with the Father. Watch this. This is key. I want to say, say this because it's going to help you. Why I believe the disciple says, teach us how to pray. They were watching him continually wake up. And then they would go back to sleep. And, the, and Jesus was praying. Long before daylight came up, he would spend hours. Everybody say hours. With the Father. By the time they were going to brush their teeth, I can imagine Jesus saying, okay, boys, I'm ready to go. What are you talking about? I'm just waking up. No, it's time to go. Let's go to some towns and let's change some people's lives. 
And I believe that the, the disciples were watching Jesus, and Jesus would go to town and do some crazy stuff. And he would go to a blind person. Watch this, guys. You're going to miss this. He would go to a blind person. The disciples would be watching. And, the, and he said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind person said, that I may see. Watch this. And Jesus would say, be well. Have sight. And the person would see in a matter of seconds. And then he would go to another person and he would go to another town and say, hey, come over here in another town. And all of a sudden a leper who was unclean came to him. I'm not talking about the ten lepers. There's other lepers that came to Jesus. And they came to Jesus and he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Bible says that Jesus touched his hand on him. He wasn't afraid of his sickness. Watch this. And he said, be clean. And immediately, within seconds, The leprosy began to go. And then he would go to another place, and he would go to a person that had legions of demons. He goes, hey, follow me, guys. Let's go over here. This guy is untouchable. He has legions, which is about 6,000 in the Roman uh, numerical troop numerical system. Legions, about 6,000. This guy had about 6,000 or so demons. There's a lot of philosophy about the number. He had a lot of demons. A lot in him. What's your name? No one could tame this guy. Watch this. I'm going somewhere with this. He would go and he would change lives. And he would go to this guy, the man of the Gadarenes, filled with demons. And nobody wanted to touch him. You know, it's that one dude, like, like Charles Man- like Manson, you know. Like everybody wants to go. But hey, let's, let's go visit Charles Manson. No, no, no. I have, I have something else I got to do here today. Yeah, because we're, 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 we, we limit God's power by the power of demonic power in other people. Jesus was not intimidated. He saw this guy who no one could tame, filled with demons. He was probably in the spirit realm, very, very tough. Jesus came in, and I love this. The moment he stepped on the island, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't announce, hey, I'm Jesus, where are you? He's like, come on, boys, I'm going to teach you something. I'm putting my foot on the island. The whole island was electrocuted by the presence of God. And the man... That was filled with demons, ran to Jesus. That's the stupidest thing to do if you're, if you're possessed by the demon. That means no one can stop the power of God. No matter how bound you are, this demon that was probably all chained up, when he noticed the presence of God, ran to Jesus. I can imagine saying, the demon's going, no, what are you doing? And he comes to Jesus. Watch this. And he starts commanding the demons to come out. I said, don't, don't send, the demon said, don't send me uh, away. Send me to the pigs. He said, go ahead, go to the pigs. Go. Watch this. When he said, go. Watch this, guys. Watch this. This man that was bound for years in deep, deep darkness, within seconds, his mind was in his right place. The Bible says he was clothed and not naked. And watch this. He was in his right mind. Oh, God. Oh, God, watch this. Everybody say within seconds. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. He went to another town, and he saw a man with a a withered hand. That means you have to grow bones out. It is a creative miracle. He had his withered hands, and he looked at him, and he said, stretch out your hand. And the disciples were like, whoa. Listen, listen, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to teach, I'm going to ask him to teach me how to do that. Bones grew out on the spot. Muscles grew out. Sinners grew out. And he extended his hand and it was normal. Normal. Watch this. Within seconds, he went to another place. And he found people that were crying over a dead girl. And everyone was mocking and mocking and crying. He put everybody out. He said, Father, come on here. I want to show you something. Talitha Kumi. 
You know what that means? Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. That dead girl suddenly woke up. Watch this. Within seconds. Why am I harping on seconds? Because I believe the disciples, watch this, the disciples put two and two together. And he said, wait a minute. It took seconds for him to do all that. But it took two or three hours to spend time with the Father. So they said, wait a minute. I'm connecting this with that. You could get with this. You could get with that. Wait a minute. It took two seconds, three seconds to make that person whole. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm connecting the dots. The disciples said it took three hours. Watch this. So the disciples concluded. It ta- if you spend a couple of hours with God in the morning, you only have to spend a couple seconds solving problems during the day. Watch. You know what we do? We spend one minute with God in the morning and spend three hours in the day trying to solve problems with people. Oh. Oh. And I'm, I'm including myself in that. I'm not saying a minute. I, I spend more, more time than that. But I'm saying it. there's no timetable to it. But our culture needs to change. We can't be in a rush and go to work and expect to walk in power just because we believe in Jesus. There has to be a prayer life. Guys, why did the disciples say teach us to pray? Because they saw him hours getting that fuel. And when he got up from that prayer life, he was filled with power. If Jesus had a prayer life, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. If Jesus had to develop his prayer life, why do you think that we are excluded from prayer? Look at this next slide up. Jesus' main ministry on earth was to the Father, not to man. And out of his ministry to the Father came his ministry to, the, to man. You want to be effective? Don't hurry up and start preaching. Don't hurry up and start preparing. Don't hurry up and start thinking about a new song. Don't hurry up and start getting a business deal. Don't hurry up and want to be used by God. Want to be used by God. Want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. Your first ministry should be to the Father. And out of that place comes out your ministry. That's why I took time last night. I said, Lord, I don't have it in me. So I got to come and spend some time in the weapon chamber. I got to come time. I got to get in there. I got to lock myself up. No one was there. And I'm pacing back and forth. And I had the music loud. And I would say, literally, literally, I just said this yesterday. Angels of God that are in this place, worship God with me. I did. I said, worship God with me. And I could just imagine, holy, holy is the Lord. Lord our God, worthy, worthy is the Lord our God, oh praise his name forever and ever, amen, oh praise his, and I began to say that, I had that song on, and I said angels of God worship with me, and listen, I prepared myself in prayer so I could come to you today. I'm not saying that to be super spiritual. I'm saying that many of us need to develop our prayer life. And when I was in prayer, God's like, I want to hand out these weapons, but no one wants to come in. You're getting hit up all day. Pa, 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 pa. 
God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because you don't have your shield on. You don't have your weapon. You don't have your sword. You just have your love for Jesus. Praise God for your love for Jesus. You need armor. You need weapons. Well, Pastor George, the Bible says we have the armor of God. No, it says put on the armor of God. It doesn't say you have the armor of God. It says put on the armor of God. And the way you put on it is go in the secret place. Go in the secret place and start doing what Jesus did. I said start doing what Jesus did. Come on, say Start doing what Jesus did. You know, the disciples learned a tough lesson about this principle. Because watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something. Did not Jesus command them to go out and cast out uh, the demons and heal the sick? Help me. Help me. Yes, yes, right? So they're still alive. Jesus had not resurrected yet, right? But while he's on earth, he gave it to them two by two, blessed them. He said, go out and heal the sick. Okay, that's a command. And it started happening. Oh, look, look, look. Hey, every, hey, everybody, look. When I said Jesus, Yeshua, everybody started getting healed. Isn't that amazing? And then God, got, you know, Jesus at one point, like, hey, listen, calm down. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Don't worry about it. Just make sure that you're worried about your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Don't worry about that. But listen, I give you power. Watch this. I give you power. I'm going to say this revelation. So they started doing it. One day, Jesus went up to a mountain. And in Mark, you can find this all in Mark chapter 9, by the way. I'm paraphrasing all this story. I'm dramatizing it for you. So Jesus went up to the mountain, and he, he took James, Peter, and John, and he went there to pray. Do you think he just went there to picnic? Hey, guys, wear some, wear some cornbread. I'm just so tired. He went to the mountain to seek God. And as he's seeking God, the glory of God filled this. Watch, watch this. Transfigured Jesus. Watch this. Most people focus, including me, on, the, on what happened on the mountain. But no one knows what's happening at the same time down there. You know what's happening at the same time when Jesus is at the mountain? All the disciples are trying to cast out a demon, realizing that they can't without a prayer life. You say, wait a minute, where you get that? I'm going to get there. Just wait, just wait for me. Just watch, watch, watch. So here's, here's all these disciples, and they're doing what Jesus told them to do. They said, cast out demons. And this one father came with his son, and the son was demon-possessed and was throwing him everywhere. And, he, and I can imagine the disciples say, hey, listen, this happened before. Let's just do it. And so Bartholomew comes in. I'm just imagining Bartholomew. He's a, he's a disciple. And he's like, oh, come out and come out. And hey, come out. And ah, ooh, this is not working. This is not working. Uh, Yeshua, maybe I'm pronouncing wrong. Yet Yeshua, come out. And the disciple and, and nothing happened. And so I can imagine Andrew going, you know what? I'm tired about this. You know, hey, listen, um, uh, 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 sorry, Bartholomew said, hey, Andrew, you're more charismatic than me. Andrew, why don't you take a shot? So Andrew took a shot, and he's like, hey, I said in Jesus' name, come out, come out. I said you need to come out. No, no, come out. Oh, no. Oh. And they're exhausted. They're tired. And I can, I, can imagine, I can imagine Andrew going, hey, Matthew, you're a tax collector. You're smarter than all of us. Why don't you come out there? And I can imagine Matthew saying, well, by the calculations of what I feel in the parameters of your demonic spirit, I believe if I count to three, Jesus, three, three times, three parameters, the demon will come out. One, two, three, Jesus. Ah, oh, no. So, they're, so they're, they're, the disciples are like, come on, I'm tired. And all these disciples are taking turns. And no demon comes out. Jesus comes down from the mountain. I love this. Jesus comes down. I, I have a theory. I, I believe he's going. And they're like, ha, 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 come on, ha, ha. I believe the father goes, go ahead and rescue them, right? So he's coming down. He goes, what's going on here, boys? In my theory. I feel, I feel that the disciples were like, oh, thank God. He's here. What's going on, boys? 
I said, what's going on, boys? The, fa- the father comes, hey, Jesus, I- I'm setting you up for something. Hey, Jesus, I gave this, my boy, to your disciples. Didn't you say that in your name they could do it? Yeah, yeah. They couldn't do it, Jesus. Why? And Jesus looked, and he said, bring the boy to me. First he said, how long do you have me here? How long have I been with you? My theory. How long have you seen me in the prayer time? How, how long have you seen me prepare for stuff like this? He said, bring the boy to me. Watch this. The Bible says, you can look it up in Mark chapter 9. As soon as the boy got near Jesus, and the Bible says as soon as he looked at Jesus, Jesus didn't have to say anything. He started trembling on the power of God. And the Bible says Jesus was having a conversation with the father while he's trembling. Because he goes, how long has this been happening? I'm serious. Look at it. How long has this been happening? The father said, since he was a child. He said, okay. You deaf and dumb spirit. Come out of him and enter him no more. The Bible says that that man screamed, the demon screamed and convulsed him greatly. No, I don't want to leave. And he had to leave. And the demonic spirit left, and the Bible says he was like a dead man. And everyone thought he was dead. Jesus picked him up. He picked him up, and he was alive. And I can imagine the, the disciples like, and I can imagine on the, the Bible says when they went to their home. Are you ready for this? When they went to their home, I imagine the disciples are gathering like, we got to talk to him. Bartholomew, Andrew, you were shouting. Matthew, you were calculating. Bartholomew, I don't know what you were doing, but, but none of us worked. Maybe we were mispronouncing his name. Maybe it's Yeshua, not Yeshua. Maybe we would have to say it loud. I don't know. Well, you ask him. You ask him. You ask him. The Bible says when they were silent, they said, um, why can't we cast that demon? Why can't we cast that demon out? Are you ready for this? Jesus looked at them and said, first of all, because of your unbelief. Now watch this. This is going to prove that you can't just do things in power just having faith without a prayer life. But this kind does not come out except through fasting and prayer. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This kind. You can say you can have all the faith in the world. But if you're not fasting and praying, if all you have is faith and all you have is zeal and all you have is boldness and not a a lifestyle of fasting and prayer, this kind of demonic spirit is so strong that you need the weapons of your private prayer life to be consistent and strong and include fasting. That's why I believe that that concluded to the disciples, okay, he needs to teach us how to pray then. Ask him. Could you teach us how to pray then? Because they started connecting the dots. You spend one minute with man solving problems because you spent two or three hours with God in the prayer room. Hello? Now, now I know you've been shouting, but you're going to shout real good now. Say, turn to someone and say, I'm about to shout. God is about to give me something. Say, say God is about to give me something. He's about to give me a weapon. Come on. Say, he's about to give me a weapon. Time in prayer is not time wasted. It's time invested. Put it up. Time in prayer is not time wasted. It's time invested. 
How many of you invest in your body? Come on. How many, come on, come on, I could call you out. How many of you invest in your body? You pay a subscription for a fee so that you could go to the gym every day. Come on. All right. The rest of you, some of you, you need to answer the altar call then. All right. How many of you, how many of you are very conscious and disciplined? You will not eat certain things because you know that may get you a little, little, little larger. All right. How many of you invest some money into your checking or your savings account because what's the use for that? Why do you invest? Because one day you're going to pull it out when you need it. Time in prayer is not time wasted. It's time invested. You are filling up the bowl of your heart to walk in power. Before Jesus did any ministry work, the Bible says he was 40 days in the wilderness. And what was he doing in the wilderness? Was he just saying, oh, my God. It's so, you know, most Christians in the wilderness is what they do. I can't wait till this, is, oh, this season is over. Oh, my God, it's so hot in this wilderness season. I'm dry, and I'm complaining, and there's no presence of God. In the wilderness, Jesus did the opposite. Jesus prayed every single day. And out of that wilderness experience came his ministry. Now, here's where I want to shout, oh, boy. The or- I said all that to say this. The origin of prayer, you know where the origin of prayer and the principle of prayer through Revelation to me started? And I'm going to prove it by Scripture. I've said this before, the origin and the principle of prayer, of us taking authority, started in Genesis 1, verse 26. The principle and the origin of prayer started way back in the beginning when God set something in motion that out of his mouth, if he ever says something out of his mouth, he himself has to obey his own word because he puts his word above his name. So anything that Jesus says out of his mouth, anything the Lord says out of his mouth becomes a law even to himself. He can't break his own word because he has to be, watch this, faithful to his word. And the Bible says, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, four words that I believe are the principles of the purpose of prayer. The principle of prayer started here. Watch this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them, not us, we already have dominion, but I want to extend my dominion on the earth. Listen to me, listen to me, don't tune me out. Let them, everybody say them. That means me. Come on, say that means me. Those four words locked into eternity because the Bible in Isaiah says whatever comes out of God's mouth shall what? Not return void. So when he said this, he himself, watch this, you're going to shout in just a second, had to be faithful. I want the worship team up here. My God. The worship team, you can still listen. I want you to listen, though. He said, let them have dominion. Okay, watch this. That being said, this is one of the most powerful principles that I have ever learned about prayer. Watch this. Because he's, he, he says, I already have dominion, but I want to extend the dominion on the earth. Everybody say earth. Heaven legality is done. The legal way of governing the earth is through man. When I say man, is human. Man and woman, right? Because the Bible says that the only way legally, that some, legally in heaven, that we could operate on earth is when a spirit is inside of a body. 
Because a spirit outside of a body operating on the earth is illegal on the earth. Listen to me. Listen to me. A spirit without a body to function, I'm not talking about to tempt, let me tell you, to function on a daily basis is illegal. Why? Because God said, let man have dominion. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 115, and then you're going to shout, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give it to you biblically. Psalm 115, verse 15 through 16, NLT. Are you ready to shout with me? Look at this, look at this. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens belong to the Lord. You better shout with me today. But he has given the earth to all humanity. Wait a minute. The heavens is the Lord's, but he has given the earth to all humanity. Oh, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He made us in his image. He's three in one. We're three in one. You say, that's blasphemy. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's one. We're spirit, soul, and body, yet we're one. Book of Thessalonians says, I want you to prosper in your spirit, soul, and your body. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Three and one. Watch this, three and one. Three and one. That means the only person on earth that has legal right to have authority on the earth is mankind. You don't see, that's why Jesus had to come as a man. You don't see Jesus coming as a spirit. You don't see Jesus running around and say, hey, listen, I'm the son of God. He had to have a body. Why? Because he had to fulfill his own words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, God, I'm coming somewhere. He said, let them have dominion. Watch this, watch this. I'm getting somewhere. This is going to be powerful. So then when Satan came, and Satan came and he deceived Adam and Eve. Hear me now. You're going to miss this whole thing. And Satan could not deceive Adam and Eve just in spirit form. He had to possess a snake. Oh, God. Oh, God. Listen, even Satan knew. Satan had to come. He said, I can't do this because God said, let them have dominion. So I'm going to possess the body of a snake. And back then, the snake was a beautiful creature. And some theologians say it had legs. And it enticed Eve, watch this, to eat of the fruit that was not supposed to be eaten. And, and, and started a, a, a consequence to break that perfect union. Watch this. And so I can imagine God. Watch this. You're going to shout. Getting up there in Genesis 3, verse 15. And I'm just paraphrasing. But I can imagine God saying, oh, Satan, I saw what you did. I saw what you did. You used a snake to, po- to possess your, your body to deceive the woman. You know that I have to keep my word, Satan. You know that I just can't come down there in spirit form and just mess you up. I could if I want to, but I have to go and I have to obey my own word in Genesis 1 that I set in motion. But I promise you one thing, Satan. That same woman that you tempted, I'm going to raise up another woman named Mary. And I'm going to put myself in her legally. And she's going to form a body legally. And I'm going to come forth as a man legally on the earth. And I'm going to send forth God in a human being. So now I can fulfill Genesis chapter 1. And legally I will stop your head. I'm going to possess humanity with my spirit 
to fulfill Genesis 1. Let them have dominion. Well, when I come as God and I come, you say, what does that have to do with prayer? Everything. You know why? Because when Jesus died and resurrected, guess what happened? He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. And guess what? Are you ready? One of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit, we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession. Oh! The Holy Spirit makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And the Lord said, Satan, I fooled you because not, not only do I have now one person to help me. Now I'm raising up millions of people that have hands and feet and I'm going to put my spirit in them and they're going to begin to pray and the spirit of God is going to begin to pray through millions of people that know my name and not only Jesus is going to defeat you, my body is going to defeat you. Why? Because the spirit makes intercession for you. I want you to stand up to your feet. Come on. You are more powerful. You are more powerful than you think. You have the Spirit of God. One of the main ministries of the Spirit of God is to intercede through you. I want you to open up your mouth. Begin to cry out to God. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.